God's going to do something today. How many believe that? How many believe that God's got a word specifically for you today? He's got a word. I, I've got to be ready to receive it. Praise God. All right, if you have your Bibles, please, let's go to uh, 1 John, the first chapter and verse 9. I even brought my object lesson today. They call me Brother Fuller today. Yeah, that's not my toothbrush. Lord. Unless I missed her ad, then I could probably. We'll put that up there. Verse 9 of 1 John, the first chapter. If we confess our sins. If we confess our if we confess our sins. I we could just stop right there, couldn't we? He's faithful. How many know him to be faithful? And he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. Let's all say cleanse. Cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Woe to you that have think that you're no problems that you're just squeaky clean and everything's fine but you do have unrighteousness <laughs> Psalms 51 1 through 3 let's go there and then we can be seated this is our major text right here Psalms 51 have mercy upon me O God according to thy loving kindness according to the multitude of thy tender mercies Blot out my transgressions. Does David know how to repent or what? He does. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Praise God. Let's say, God, Lord, give me a clean heart. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Give me a clean heart, God. Give me a clean heart, God. You know, when you deal with the Lord, it's not that he's going to do everything for you. When you mention a statement such as that, give me a clean heart, God, there requires a lot of stuff for us to do. Like, hold still, Raj. That's why I brought this brush. A subtitle that I could keep, that we could put into this also is that I title it, Keep Scrubbing, Lord. Keep Scrubbing, Lord. Right here. Because our heart is deceitful. Our problems are that we want to do what we want to do, and we tend to do what we want to do and not do what God wants us to do. So our heart gets in the way. Hopefully we can try to remedy that a little bit today, if you can. When you clean things, and I'm not having a lesson on 101, how to clean carpet or how to clean spots out of your shirt. If you want to know that, you have to call my wife. I just get them dirty. Um, it takes not just the soap or water or whatever, it takes agitation. 
it takes some hurt. It takes some uncomfortableness. It takes some um, moving around. It, it takes some force. It takes some disturbance in our lives. It takes some emotional upset. Why? Because he's scrubbing a spot out. Why? Because we told him we wanted a clean heart. We told him we wanted a clean heart. But we don't want the brush. Huh. And sometimes we wonder why our lives somehow gets all messed up. Because we won't hold still and let God clean our heart. And we keep that same heart, heart uh situation, our heart character all throughout our lives and whenever God's word goes forth and touches us and tries to scrub, we just don't like it. So if I want a clean heart, Lord, I'm not talking about the blood pumping machine in the center of your chest, but it's the thing that helps us form our character and makes our choices in our life. That's the heart I'm talking about. It's the heart that we sing about, the heart that we write about, and yes, the heart we preach about. It's the heart that we love with. It's the heart that we long with, and it's the heart that when David's situation, it's the heart that we lust with. That's the heart I'm talking about. The heart that can be happy, the heart that can be hurtful or hateful. That's the heart I'm talking about. It's the heart that decides who we are and what we will become. And it's that heart that tells us where we'll spend eternity. That's the heart that I'm talking about. It's said that your heart is the garden of your life. So listen, whatever you plant in that garden, and whatever seed is sown in that garden, it will show up sometime in your life, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Hello, David. It's going to show up. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Jesus said in Matthew 6.21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. My heart, if I'm not careful, will get me in trouble. It's just our nature. Romans says all of us have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. And it's definitely a heart issue. That's why today we're fortunate to be in this church. We're fortunate to be in the presence of God. We're fortunate enough to have the opportunity to raise our hands and say, Lord, please clean my heart. Yeah. Sometimes this world, as difficult that it gets and has sadness that it brings us whenever we hear things and read about things currently, makes the heart sick. Especially us Christians, it makes the heart sick. But it doesn't, it doesn't drive me to get a po protest march going on things. What it's done to me is get me closer to God. If there's anything that can change this country is if we change. 
if there's any, and I'm not saying that we're bad. I'm saying that God wants us better and that we get in trouble when we keep doing our same old, same old. We won't take the time to read 2 Samuel verses or chapters 11 and 12, but in those chapters it's a detailed story of David's sin. He not only sinned with Bathsheba, committed murder, but had the big cover-up and the lies. So it got so far out of hand that um, it, it destroyed people. The people involved is, um, I just wrote some down just thinking about it, Eliam, who is Bathsheba's father. Nobody ever thinks about him. He was one of David's original so-called gang of hoodlums that started out when David first started when he was running and hiding in the caves from Saul. It was Bathsheba's dad that helped him. So you see, it's not just this little story about, oh, I, I was on the rooftop and I looked and I saw and I, you know, invited her in and all that kind of stuff. It's not only that. It, it goes into a lot of different areas. And it affects a lot of different people. So what's that got to do with me, Raj? I don't know yet, but you know what? It's a heart issue. I don't know, but listen to me here. Things have got to be controlled, and we've got to let God control it. Because when we control things, it's just a wreck. Uriah the Hittite, one of David's generals, well-liked and well-respected of his men. How in the world, David? What were you thinking? Are you kidding me? You see how lust goes and how everything is selfish and it doesn't matter what goes on and who we hurt. I just want to be like this and I just want to do this thing. That's called iniquity. You know the sin, you know the consequences, but you do it anyway. Does that not sound what's going on today in our country? It doesn't matter who we affect. We're just going to do it anyway. God hates that stuff. Your heart can't be pure if you think like that because that's not God's thinking at all. Bathsheba, of course, was David's eighth wife. Oh, five, six, seven, eighth wife. Really? Eight wives. I don't even talk about the word concubines. What's the matter with you? Ah, God's given me one wife. Love her to death. We are blessed, guys. We are blessed. Bathsheba was David's eighth wife, listed in Chronicles, the third chapter. Each wife bore him a son. Bathsheba had four children, one, of course, Solomon. But Michael, Saul's daughter, gave him no children because she despised him when she, he brought up the ark and danced with the Lord. She could have been in the list, but wasn't. I must hurry. Scripture says that every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lusts and enticed, it says in James 1 and 14 and 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, of course, brings forth 
death. But I thank God for scriptures like this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you. Listen, there's no temptations come your way. But such it is common to man. But God who is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you will be able to bear it. If you choose the right way and you do the kingly thing, and not the selfish David thing. Quickly going through this, my called cliff notes of 2 Samuel 11 and 12. David should have been doing kingly things, the Bible says, but he found himself in a lustful situation. He called for Bathsheba to come to visit. Things got out of hand, and Bathsheba ends up with a baby. Now, I just want to insert something here. How in the world do you live with sin if, in your life? How, how, how do you sleep at night? How does David deal with all of this? Then he starts a plan, and I've got to get my name out of this thing. I've got to get my, my, my conscience cleared somehow. I've got to turn the blame, and I've got to figure out a way to do this so nobody sees that I committed this sin and so Bathsheba doesn't get stoned, all that kind of stuff. It's not good. So he starts things working in his mind and trying to plan things out. He calls Joab says, give me, give me Uriah the Hittite. Let me, let me talk to him. Send him my way, you know. Here, you know, set things up. Take some time off from the battle. But he wouldn't do it because he had a right heart. He said, I can't. The guys are out fighting, and you want me to go home and take some R&R with my wife? Why in the world? So he slept in the doorstep, and David got really mad and, and sent him away, sent him back, says, Joab, I want you to do this. Now listen, it's not just Uriah the Hittite that he murdered. Uriah had a guy, he was a leader. He was a, one of his lieutenant generals. That He had a, a group of guys that, he, that followed him. So when you put Uriah and his men out in the front of the battle, it's not just Uriah that dies. There's a lot of guys that went down that day. And it's all because David decided to do something that wasn't kingly, that had nothing to do with God, that had nothing to do with leading the country, that all had to do with his selfish heart. Ah, I need a clean heart. Ah. Oh, so Uriah is killed in action, so David thinks the problem's solved. There we go, look at that. Oh, I'm so sorry, Bathsheba, your, your husband died in battle. You know what? Why don't, you, why don't I just make you my eighth wife? Oh, David, you're so good. Big parade. All before things started showing. So I tried to figure out where in the world did Nathan show up? I don't know. You would think that if the baby was born, they would name the child. There's no, there's no record of this name, child. Maybe baby was stillborn. Who knows? Obviously, I thank God I thank God, and you should also 
that you come into a church that the presence of God is here mightily. If you weren't here Friday, you missed it. Well, it was an awesome, awesome prayer meeting. But God's just getting started with us. And here's my here's here's the crux of my of my lesson here is we have to change our hearts in order for God to help us get through this. I thank God that God loves us so much that he speaks to people, that he gives people messages to give us, that he anoints the ministry. That whoever comes behind this pulpit is not just speaking and not just, it doesn't matter the eloquence of their speech. It doesn't matter how they're prepared or what they look like. It's the Word of God. And when the Word of God is preached, it has to fall on a heart that needs cleansing. I thank God that he loves me enough that there's a Nathan the prophet that will show up and say, Raj, you're the man. You follow me today? Thank God for his loving kindness. Thank God for his love towards us that he'll wake somebody up in the middle of the night that'll give them a message and say, I want you to tell them about this. And you know what? The bishop's coming up after me, and he's got a word from God, and I felt this like nothing else last night. I could not sleep. I know there's something coming to us, but you've got to prepare your heart. You've got to prepare your heart. You've got to prepare your heart. Thank God for his loving kindness. We don't know how long it was, but Nathan showed up. You think about David. Nobody knew this was going on, him and Bathsheba. Maybe the servants, maybe the messengers had ideas, and you know what? Oh, well, that's just wife number eight. That's not a big deal. And you're going to refuse an invitation from the king, and you're going to get in a lot of trouble. Bathsheba, you better go. I'm sure there was talk, but nobody had anything. And you think that with Uriah gone, killed in action, everything's fine. Look, oh, that's Uriah's child. No, it's not, David. He knows. She knows. (sighs) Who knows how long you lived with it. But I thank God that David knew how to repent. I thank God we read about Jonah. I thank God we read about people in the Bible that that messed up and that repented and that God came back and God used again. So we're not so squeaky clean. But you've got to remember there's repentance. First, uh, let's quickly go through um, Psalms 51, have mercy upon me, O God. I'm quickly reading this because I've got a lot still left that that I need to finish with. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Amen. He can wash me cleansely. All I need is a drop of his blood. It doesn't take long to repent. It doesn't take long at all to ask God for forgiveness, and he'll do it. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. and Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear with that judgest. David thought he could get away with it. 
Tell me God doesn't know. You think nobody sees, but God does. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth on the inward parts. I have to worship him in spirit and in truth. In hidden part thou shalt make me known wisdom. Purge me with hyssop that I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God can do all of this stuff. You just got to let him do it. Uh, yeah, you have that control. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. That's probably one of the worst one of the worst things that could ever happen is you could never feel the presence of God ever again in your life. Oh, my God. Don't take it from me, God. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. People today in this, in this city and where you live and where you work and, and where you, you shop and all that, they need to look and they need to see the light of God. They need somebody to testify to them that God's still on the throne and in control and now not there's worry. They need to hear that there's hope and salvation. They need to hear that there's a way out. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, that thou God of thy salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, broken in a contrite heart, O Lord, thou not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and the whole burnt offering, and they shall offer bullocks upon thy altar. All because you repent. And thank God David did that. So we agree with me, it's a heart issue. David repented, God forgave him, but the child died. If you read about the rest of David's family, it was a wreck. And for he, for sure, he wouldn't win Father of the Year awards. <sighs> Clean my heart, God. Clean my heart, God. Okay. Part two. Let's go to Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 15 and 16. For the people's heart is wax gross, their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, should be converted, and I should heal them. Here we go. But blessed are your eyes. Your eyes are blessed today. Your spiritual eyes, for they see. And your spiritual ears, for they hear. You know you're very special because you're in the presence of God. You are in an apostolic 
Pentecostal church. You are in a place where the Holy Ghost rules and realms and moves around. You're in a place where the anointing of God comes and speaks to your heart. And you are superly blessed because you do have ears. You have spiritual ears as well, and you can hear what God says to the church if you want to. You also are a place where God will give you revelations in the middle of the night if you're prayed up and if your heart's correct. And if things are right in your life, God will speak to you. You are a blessed people. It's just not a regular church. You can pick any one of these on the street, and they're not going to have their eyes open or their ears open. Why? Because you're a blessed people. God's chosen you to come here, and God has purposely chosen you today because he's got something he wants to tell you. So we are blessed. How privileged we are to come to this house. Feel the anointing power of God. How blessed we are to get revelations from God's word, for we have spiritual ears and eyes operating in our lives. And do not take that ever for granted. We should be, we should crawl into this place. You should crawl to this altar because God has taken care of you. The more that I hear and see our country go further and further away from God, the closer and the deeper I want to get with him. Matthew 13 deals with this. It's the first parable that Jesus taught that we know it as the parable of the sower. We know about all the different types of soil, and it's listed as the parable of the sower, the sower that goes forth and throws the seed. We always think that it's us being the sower. And that the world is being the, the, the outside and the place where the sower sows the seed to all the sinners. It's not how this is. But it's really, it's a parable of the soil. It's a parable of the heart. And you make the choice of what soil you're at today. There's four types of soil. There's the wayside or the hardened soil. There's the stony soil that's got rocks in it. There's the weedy soil that we've all learned and we know about. And there's the good soil that the seed goes in. God works with that and stuff grows. The fruit of the Spirit grows out of that good soil. So the single most important thing in your life is that you realize what soil you are. The sower, the, there's, the seed is always the same in all that you read about this. It's the same seed. Nothing changes. The sower is the same. It doesn't matter who stands here. Though it does sometimes, it doesn't matter. It's the seed that goes out. What changes? My heart. That's what changes. It's the single most thing, important thing in your life, that affection of your heart. 
Your heart controls how that seed goes. All we do, Brother Bruce, is we cast the seed. That's all God wants us to do. It's his word. Oh, you know, I heard that David and Goliath story a million times, the same old thing. That's a hardened heart. A hardened heart comes in, goes out the same way, and says, nah, you use your service. There's weedy places. There's other things in our lives that will choke out the seed of God. I've heard this and I try my best, but you know what? This other thing overrides it. So it's a condition of your heart. I'm thankful that David did repent. And he got rid of this secret sin. How long did he live with this? I don't know. But I'm thankful that he repented and got rid of it. It's the secret sin. I need a new. Then when I can receive the word that's going on, that's coming my way today. Stand with me if you would. I'm sorry this may not have come across the same way that teaching or preaching about Psalms 51, but I want to be sure I have a fertile heart. I want to be sure that I have a heart that's ready to receive whatever word Brother Bruce is going to bring to us. It's the Word of God. So I don't want to be on the wayside. I don't want to be on the stony soil. I don't want to have weeds choke out my seed because I need to hear what God's got for me today. Psalms 24, 3 through 5 says this, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in the holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity or sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Give me a clean heart, God. Stay still. Let God scrub. It's an old chorus. You know what? Sing it with us. If not, the words, I don't know if you have the words up there. I doubt it. It's easy. There we go. 